Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech, where today we have the fantastic opportunity to talk to Vince Romanen, the CEO and co-founder of Gradient. Vince, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So Vince, I, I always start out the podcast like this because I think a lot of our audience are, are fascinated by the sort of founding story. How do people wake up one day and decide to, you know, uh, give up their job and uh, go and start a company? So uh, yeah, how is it that you got to where you are and uh, uh, co-founding Gradient when you did? Yeah, a little bit of it was by accident. I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. Uh, specifically, I'm a thermodynamics nerd. Always loved engineering and science. I was always like building rockets and working on engines as a kid. Always loved building things. This led me to get my engineering degree and then eventually my PhD in engineering, still focused on heat transfer and thermodynamics type things. And eventually saw a huge problem and opportunity in the built environment, which is kind of what led me to start Gradient. Yep. Okay. So did you jump directly, say, out of out of a PhD program or something directly into starting a company? Or, or did you go by way of a Fortune 500? Or, or what was the path to it? Yeah, it took me a couple of years, actually. So I, in undergrad, thought I would get a job as an engineer, didn't find anything exciting, and saw way more exciting research in grad school. After grad school, I was working in the solar thermal industry. So power plants mm. that used the sun to make things hot, worked for a giant corporation doing this. Eventually, wasn't super excited about corporate life and came back to the Bay Area uh, to work on startups. I first came back to a company called Other Lab. It's a small R&D firm that does a lot of new tech, especially around climate and manufacturing. And that was a much more creative, collaborative startup-like environment. And it was there that I started doing the research that led to this opportunity. Specifically, uh, Other Lab at the time was working on this, this maddeningly detailed analysis of US energy flows. It's still on the internet, actually. You can find it at energyliteracy.com. And me and a couple other researchers and scientists there were looking at this data and kind of saying, wow, there's a lot of emissions coming out of buildings. They're projected to grow super quickly and rapidly. And no one is really talking about it or doing anything about it. And so that's kind of the environment that, uh, that led me to start start gradient. Oh, that's incredible. So I'm looking at energyliteracy.com and I know this isn't actually what we're supposed to be talking about, but this is one of my favorite charts in the world. And uh, Livermore Labs puts out something very similar. It's kind of like sources and uses of energy and where it goes to. And there's always the, the, big, the big kicker on all of these that there's like a massive rejected energy, just basically wasted energy line normally. Yeah. Uh, this is very cool. Yeah. People should take a look at it. Skip forward a little bit. At some point in time, you decide for yourself, hey, there's a massive problem out there I need to solve. Therefore, I'm going to go start a company. So 
what was that problem that maybe kept you awake at night? Yeah. So as we were looking at energy literacy, again, bunch of other nerds there. So I'm kind of in my element and we're like, wow, this could be a big problem. Specifically, we saw a couple things. Buildings use a ton of energy to heat them. Most of that energy today comes from fossil fuels and we didn't see the path to electrification. Number two, HVAC systems today, specifically air conditioners, use refrigerants that are really strong global warming forcers. And the path to phase them out to something that is better for the environment is happening, but it's happening really slow. And then three, all of these HVAC systems use a ton of electricity and they're not smart. They're not Wi-Fi connected. They're not uh, contributing to incorporating more solar and renewables on the grid. They can't talk to your some home solar panel. And so there was no new tech happening in buildings and we really thought it needed to happen in order to decarbonize them. And, and I think let, let's maybe break this into two problems because we've got the just overall energy usage, right? Heating is very inefficient and is, and is um, powered by fossil fuels. And then you've got the refrigerants problem. Yeah. The refrigerants problem is something that I think not a lot of people are familiar with, but I think on the drawdown list, and if, if you aren't familiar, right, the drawdown list is basically the list of the, of the most important things we can do to stop global warming. I think better refrigerants is number one on that list. Why is that? Yeah, it was amazing. We started the company in 2017. I think it was 2018 that this book came out and it really like blew up the conversation around refrigerants, which was great for us. We were like, we're bad storytellers. We're a bunch of nerds. But uh, the person who wrote this is a great storyteller and it pr finally brought attention to this. And so there's been a lot more attention to it since then, which is really important for the planet. And the, uh, the exciting thing is that they modeled the savings or the reduction in carbon emissions in excess of what is already planned in the HFC phase-out schedule. In 2016, a group of countries and companies passed the Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol saying, we're going to start to phase out HFCs. And then Drawdown shows up and says, hey, this isn't enough. Between now and when Kigali kicks in, we need to make sure that the current refrigerants that are in the world are recycled properly. And we need to make sure that we transition to better refrigerants faster than Kigali says because there are a very large number of gigatons of uh, emissions expected over the next decade due to the refrigerants that we're using today. And, and if I understand it right, and I, obviously I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but it's, it's that refrigerants are just incredible greenhouse gas contributors. So like CO2, one ton of CO2 equals a ton of CO2 equivalent, obviously, duh. But then like one ton of methane, everybody is very worried about methane because what? Methane is like equivalent to four tons or four and a half tons of CO2. But one ton of these refrigerants is something like 10,000 tons of CO2. It's on that sort of order of magnitude, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I believe that our 410A, which is the most common refrigeration, especially in domestic refrigeration today, has a global warming potential of 2,088. So it is equivalent to 2,000 times its weight in CO2 in terms of its global warming forcing potential. Really bad. That, that is nuts. Okay, so between heating and cooling of buildings, just using a whole whack of the world's energy and that energy coming from fossil fuels, and then the refrigerant problem, overall sort of HVAC, air conditioning as a path to helping the planet decarbonize is just a massive opportunity here, right? Yeah, it is. And heating is, is really big here too. And I think the crazy thing is like we saw the transportation sector get electrified way faster than we thought. Electric vehicles are an amazing, really powerful tech that was growing really quickly. And we couldn't electrify building heating. It seems easier. Like we shouldn't be burning fossil fuels in buildings, especially if we figured out how to bring them out of our cars. 
And so that plus refrigerants are two huge problems that we really didn't see anybody. It's not that the tech wasn't happening. It's that it wasn't happening fast enough and it was really, really slow to be adopted. Okay. So I would kind of think of this here as the opportunity, right? Massive problem being driven by heating and cooling of buildings. If we could fix it, A, we could just have a massive impact on overall global climate warming, but also probably help people's pocketbooks, right? Because we spend so much money on on energy to heat and cool our buildings. So huge opportunity to go after. Let's maybe then hop into, okay, how, how did you solve this or how are you trying to solve this at Gradient? Yeah. And before I get into the solution, it's worth pointing out one other thing about the opportunity. And that's that these systems are actually super important for protecting vulnerable communities against the worst effects of climate change. And so this isn't just a decarbonization problem. I think it's also an access problem. A lot of communities that are susceptible to the effects of heat waves need air conditioning as a tool to keep themselves safe. In fact, the use of AC across the globe is projected to triple in the next 30 years. This is equivalent to 4 billion new ACs on the planet, which is like one in two of us on the planet getting our first air conditioner. And so we have to make sure that we're solving both the access problem as well as the decarbonization problem. And in terms of the solution, we need cheaper air conditioning and heating that is more efficient that uses a different refrigerant. This this sounds like, I don't know, we need to create a unicorn here, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so here's here's how we think about it. What we saw, especially in other industries, is that you have to focus on the customer first because the rate at which buildings turn over is really slow. The process of retrofitting a building with new HVAC systems today is really slow. And so if we want to get to where we need to be so that people can have access to comfortable buildings so that we can also decarbonize, we need to start with something that is really exciting for people and that creates a better customer experience. And so that's what we did. We're starting with looking at the U.S. Uh, We're starting with the least efficient, most polluting systems, which are window ACs. A lot of our buildings in the U.S. are old and were built before we had ducted air. And so they're forced to use something like a window AC. And we really like this first customer because pretty much everyone that we've talked to who has a window AC hates it. The main reasons they hate it is because it takes up their window and it's ugly and it's noisy. So we basically have a pro-level HVAC system that you don't need a pro to install. You can install it yourself. So you can upgrade from a window AC to something that looks much nicer and that gives you your window back and that's quiet. I, I would actually on this point encourage people to to head over to uh, to the website here, which is what, Vince? Gradientcomfort.com. To gradientcomfort.com and actually check out the design of this. Because I think if, if nothing else, if you just like the aesthetics, uh, they have designed a better in-Windows system just from a looks and a practicality point of view. But let's maybe dig into actually the, the internals here and be- better than just uh, looking great, how is this actually better for the planet? Yeah, so... We looked at a pretty detailed map of bottom-up carbon emissions and what's important to us as a company to accomplish our mission. And we saw that biggest is electrify heating with heat pumps. Next is make sure those heat pumps use better refrigerants. And then last is make sure they're as efficient as possible and smart and connected so that they can defer their loads. And so if you look at the cost of getting heat pumps into homes, I should pause. For the building nerds out there, you probably know what what a heat pump is. If you're a thermo nerd like me, heat pumps are technically anything that is an AC or an AC that provides heating. In the industry, when we say heat pump, we usually mean an air conditioner that is able to switch direction in winter so that in winter it's pushing out warm air into the room instead of cold air. It's just a couple changes to the internal parts. It does the same thermodynamic process as an air conditioner, 
but it provides heating in addition to cooling. So uh, actually, I, I do want to spend kind of uh, 30, 30 more seconds on this because I think conceptually people don't understand how this can work, right? Because they think of a, an air conditioner as creating cold air. An air conditioner doesn't create cold air. An air conditioner moves heat from inside your house to outside your house. And so if you run an air conditioner in reverse, all it's doing is moving heat from outside your house to inside your house. And the magic here is twofold. One, it can actually still do this when it's cold outside because it turns out even when there's snow on the ground there is still ambient heat there that you can suck out of the air and two is on an efficiency basis because you are not creating heat you are simply moving heat theoretically you can get to over a hundred percent efficiency which sounds like you're breaking the laws of physics right but you can be incredibly efficient doing that because you're simply moving uh, moving heat from one place to another as opposed to trying to create it right Exactly. And so it is like magic. It, it almost sounds at first glance like it's not possible. But if you have an electric resistance heater in your home today, it's pretty close to 100% efficient. If you switch it with a heat pump, depending on the climate you're in, it could be 3x better. So it sounds like 300% efficient. That sounds like it breaks the laws of the universe. It doesn't because it's actually just <laughs> pulling air from outside of your building and pushing it to the inside of the building. And it's, it's funny, but if you look historically, we have been creating heat by burning hydrocarbons for like a million years of human history. We've been making things cold by moving heat from somewhere that's cold to somewhere that's hot, which makes the cold part colder for only a couple hundred years. And when it first showed up, it was like magic. There was like, it, there's no way you can make ice for the machine. This is impossible. Only nature makes ice. And the first person who invented it actually got a lot of uh, pushback from people saying it was unnatural, ended up never making a dime off of it. Uh, super nerdy and amazing history. But I think the point is that it sounds like magic. It's just thermodynamics and it's a much, much better way for us to heat our buildings. Yep. Okay. So we understand the concept of a heat pump now. Th thanks for heat pump 101. What is it that you've actually done? Like what are the drawbacks of existing heat pump systems that people aren't buying these things in droves? And putting them in their windows, right? What what are what are the things that you had to solve here to to put this in a in a window? Yeah, when we talked to customers who either we thought should be using heat pumps or who wanted heat pumps, we learned a couple of things. One of them is like people didn't really even know what heat pumps were. This is really changing. In even the past year, we've seen a ton of uh, increased conversation around heat pumps, partially due to local and federal incentives for heat pumps. And so that's a, that's a really good sign. But for a long time, people didn't even know what they were. And if you did know what they were and wanted one, you usually have to go through HVAC installers to get them. You would have to call your local HVAC person. A lot of them didn't know what heat pumps were or didn't carry them or didn't like installing them. And so sometimes you'd have to shop around for the right installer to quote you a heat pump. And then after you go through all of that process of educating yourself and finding the person who will sell it to you, the price of doing it involved a lot of building modification and construction. And so they were usually pretty expensive. And so these were the, these were the three barriers to, to getting heat pumps into homes that we wanted to work on solving. Well, but, but also out of, out of all of those, right? If I look at most of say even, well, actually most of the world, but especially in, in the Western industrialized world, the machine itself might be relatively inexpensive, but if you've got to go and hire a contractor to install it and they've got to drill through walls and everything, the cost of that labor can be many, many times more than the actual equipment that you're doing. So solving the ease of installation problem here is as important as uh, bringing down the cost of the machine. Exactly. In fact, usually what we've seen in the US is that the install cost is like usually somewhere around two thirds 
of the final cost of the system. And so getting the hardware cost down is actually not, not nearly as important as a first step than just simplifying the process of getting it into a building. So what, what then had to happen on the technological side in order to get something kind of small enough, frankly, sexy enough that is going to fit in a window and that people ultimately want to buy? So we started, like I mentioned earlier, with our, our main thesis of if we find something that people are excited about, we can deploy this tech faster and we can scale faster. So we looked at who we thought our target customer was and we built a solution that works for them. And that was specifically people who had a window AC and so they wanted to upgrade. And if you're upgrading your window AC, you might as well do it with something that's also a heat pump, with something that uses a better refrigerant, and with something that's smart and connected. And so we looked at solving the main pain points by getting a system that didn't take up your window, by getting a system that was quiet and looked better, also was these three energy saving technologies. And so we had to design this system to be basically a mini split heat pump, but that the user could install directly. And the first thing you have to solve is mini split heat pumps require you to connect refrigerant lines in the field. And having an EPA certified license to work with refrigerant on a building site is a pretty, pretty expensive process. And so we wanted to remove the HVAC technicians from the process so that we could deploy these systems to people who currently weren't working with HVAC technicians, like people who have window ACs. The way we basically did this is we kept all of the refrigerant in a factory sealed cycle. The outdoor unit has refrigerant, it's sealed. There's then a secondary heat transfer loop that can move energy to and from the outside part of the system to the inside part of the system. And this secondary heat transfer loop is really easy for a user to connect. It requires no tools, it snaps into place, and it basically makes, it, it adds a couple tens of dollars of cost to the hardware, but then removes a lot of on-site labor that uh, typically needs a skilled technician. Yep, and and I assume you're using something very inert in there, you know, like a like glycol or frankly like salt water would do type thing. It's 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 that level exactly. of uh, non toxic, yeah. as as opposed to these yeah. crazy refrigerants that that the rest of the industry has to use. Now, if I think of people who have in window AC systems. Typically, these are in sort of older buildings. I'm thinking the Northeast, where chances are that there's actually probably steam heating inside that building that's being run off of mm -hmm. a, uh, a gas or even an oil furnace in the basement. Is there a play here where you're actually decreasing the total fossil fuel usage of the entire building by installing one of these things when it would be super expensive to replace that whole steam heating system inside it? Exactly. This is why I think this is really well-timed is that we're solving a problem for a consumer that is getting their window back. And because we're a heat pump, we can start to understand how to decommission those systems. The reason this is good timing is because there is a huge push among building owners, among governments to replace those steam radiators with something like electric heat pumps. A great example of this is, is New York City and New York State have building decarbonization targets that are pushing their built environment to shift to low carbon systems which for their heating systems means electric heat pumps. Yep, got it, got it. So I think just to, just to summarize here, you're building a, a heat pump, frankly, for the masses that is self-installable, and that's one of the key things that can bring down the cost and the speed to market of allowing the world to adopt heat pumps, which traditionally are super expensive to install. You're doing it in a sexy form factor that people actually would like in their house, and you're getting it out to market when? I think you you just opened up early access. When when can we actually start buying these things? Exactly. You can sign up to be waitlisted right now on our website, which again is gradientcomfort.com. We're launching before summer of next year. 
as you mentioned, we're really focusing on end-to-end -end customer experience. Even window ACs, nobody likes carrying them home from you know, PC Richards or whatever other store you get them from. So we ship directly to your door. We've really streamlined the process of getting it in your window to be as simple and straightforward as possible so that you can install it yourself. And then obviously we're focused on a better consumer experience while you're using it. And then from a company standpoint, we want users to understand the effect that their system has in the environment and how by upgrading their system, they can both be comfortable in their home and reduce their emissions, which will let other people around the world stay more comfortable if we can mitigate catastrophic climate change. Absolutely. This is one of those, one of those quintessential kind of cheaper, better, faster sort of solutions. Better for the, for the mm -hmm. planet, cheaper, looks great. You know, kind of like, where's the catch, right? Uh, that's why we're so excited mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, so I encourage everybody to go over and take a look at uh, gradientcomfort.com. That's Gradient. And Vince, thank you very much for taking the time with us. This was fantastic. Yes, of course. Thanks, Greg. Happy to be here. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.